Hello, climate designers. Thank you for being part of this community of designers taking on climate action. We are graphic designers, industrial designers, fashion designers, software designers, illustrators, interaction designers, architects, or any other kind of designer pushing for climate action in their work. You can learn more and join us at climatedesigners.org. This is brought to you by Sarah Harrison and Mark O'Brien of The Determined. How's it going, Sarah? Hey, Mark. What's up? You know. You know. So I was thinking what I wanted to talk about today is around the responsibility of design when we're talking about climate change, especially when you're a designer, maybe working for a company um, that doesn't have anything to do with climate change. And you might, you know, be seeing all the news on the, you know, climate strikes and everything that's going on right now. And you feel like you want to do something, but you're in this full-time job. And I want to talk about what we can do without having to, you know, quit our career, you know, quit our design career. Um, what can we do as responsible adults caring about the climate crisis that actually makes a big impact? Yeah, I'm really glad that we're going to be talking about this because I have a lot of friends who are designers here in the Bay Area and even beyond um, around the country. And they say the same thing to me. They say, I am aware of what's going on, but, you know, I just I can't afford to quit my job to do this climate work full time. My life's not, you know, my life, I just have too much going on in my life to quit what I'm doing now, which is totally understandable. And, and you know, everyone has to kind of take care of them, themselves first. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that we're talking about this because I've, yeah, I think we both agree that there's things that designers can do um, internally within their companies or studios that can address this without having them quit their job to focus on this full time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like I was a UI UX designer in tech um, for a startup that was creating physical products. And one of the things that I became aware of was all of our creation of physical products and consumerism was a really big part of the problem. And I had this like cognitive dissonance where I couldn't um, be okay with working for the company that I worked for and the growing concern that I had about that climate situation and, and my role in <laughs> creating that situation. And so what I did is, you know, kind of crazy. I, I quit and, um, you know, here I am, so whatever. But, and, but that's your story. That's I mean, my story. And you were story. able to do that, and, and but not everyone else. And if I didn't quit, I think there might have been things that I could have done in that industry sure. to make some changes. So sure, I think that's sure. kind of the angle I'm coming from, yeah. maybe. Yeah. That's one of the things. And I also wanted to say, like, I'm inspired by um, Mike Montero's book, Ruined by Design, or Design Ruined Everything. Um, <laughs> I can't even remember what it's called. Um, Mike Montero's book just came out and we work at a design college, an art college, California College of the Arts. And this book stacks and stacks of it. He released a zine. Uh, is it the, the exact book in zine format mm -hmm. or is it just right. like a summary of the book? Yeah. I don't know. It's the same book. It's the same book. He, re he released it as a zine and like stacks and stacks with this zine have been sitting around in this college, which I think is amazing. Um, and now, you know, I wanted to talk about, talk about it today and we couldn't even find a copy. You know, people like design students, design, um, educators, art educators and all of the facets of design have been snatching this book up and I, I've been really inspired by it. His angle is really about like the responsibility of a designer in a big tech company like Facebook or Twitter, um, to, assert ethics on the practices of the company and say, hey, you know, like, we're designing this software that is doing these major things. Like, he, I think he wrote it right around the time that Facebook was revealed to have a pretty big impact on democracy and the, the election. election. Yeah. 
Um, so he comes at it from a sort of political angle around um, privacy and social media, um, all of that stuff. And so I kind of wonder, like, what is the comparison or like <laughs> one challenge that I told Mark was what would if we were to write that book about the role of design and climate change, mm -hmm. what would we say? Yeah. So I think this is a conversation that we're just starting in this podcast and maybe future episodes about um, what 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 can a designer do and what you know almost should a designer do in their current jobs to take a stand and actually have an impact on climate change? Yeah. Is there anything? And I think that there is. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a little bit about this on, on previous podcasts, but yeah, I think this is something that, as I mentioned, a lot of my friends are are wanting to learn more about. And mm -hmm. so if we can, if we have this platform, our podcast is a platform to dive deeper into it, why not? And let's have a continued conversation about this. Yep. So I think the general theme, let's kind of dive in. And as, a, as an intro, I will say that the general theme is it's time, like Mike Montero saying this, the people who are talking about ethics and design as far as like designing habit-forming products are saying this. Like everyone is saying that it's time for designers to start being more like activists or at least, you know, take a stand for what they believe in and be a bit more rebellious. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be a little bit difficult. Like Mark, you have been teaching in the graphic design department for years. Can you like tell me what is the overall personality type <laughs> of people who are attracted to become designers? Is there like, are there any patterns that you see? Uh, in terms of students? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're curious. They're, they're excited to make stuff. They want to produce things. Um, they are into, or they have the desire to express themselves. And so there's a little bit of the art versus design conversation in there. That's, that's always been around in art school. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's talk about their personality. Like, why does one person choose to go into design versus going into art? You know, you brought up the art versus design conversation. Um, why would they choose to go for design and go get into the design program? Uh, like, as far as, like, risk adversity or... It's more practical. Yeah. Yeah. And to be quite honest, maybe this is a different conversation, a different episode, <laughs> but if their parents are flipping the bill, mm -hmm. parents see designers as a bit more... Um, of a pragmatic, uh, or I'm sorry, practical um, field as opposed to being an artist or a photographer. Mm -hmm. um, that's not my belief, <laughs> but uh, but I've had students say that they wanted to get into painting or photography or sculpture, but parents didn't want to do that, so they picked the next best thing. Bingo. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm getting at is like people who take the risk of going into art um, are a little bit more accepting of that risk and maybe a little bit more rebellious of the status quo. People who go into design, I think as a general, I don't know if it's a personality trait or life situation, um, they're a little bit more practical. They're probably a little bit less risk adverse. Um, and I have found, at least in UI UX design, for some reason there seems to be a personality of they really want to please and help. Hmm. And, it, you know, it touches on a little bit what you said. They want to do good things in social impact and the environment. Um, but that combined with the pragmatic, like, I want a career that's going to make me money, or at least my parents are pushing me in that direction, mm -hmm. um, sort of prevents them from taking really risky moves and bold steps sometimes. And I also think because they're in this stage of their life, you know, they're students, they're typically early 20s, uh, they don't have a whole lot of professional experience. So they tend to stay in the safe lane only because that's 
where they think they should need to be. Um, and teaching at CCA since 2013, um, it's been awesome to see some of my previous students kind of grow into the profession and become um, a bit more mature and start to see them take bigger risks, whether it's certain projects or even career transitions or things like that, starting their own companies. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe as a, as a young design student, they're a bit more yeah, risk adverse because they just don't know better. And that's, that's not their fault. Yep. But once they start to get in the field and start to see how things are done out there and how designers do play a huge role in business and in society and culture and shaping culture, I think they start to see where they can step in and, and if anything, kind of, uh, I don't know, shed themselves and, and turn into this, into the designer that they're meant to be. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I think there's absolutely a process of maturing and building your confidence and your ability to be willing to stand out, to be willing to take risks, to be willing to take bold action. To be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what's being asked of designers, you know, in, in the ethics movement that's kind of happening right now. And we're going to bring that over into the climate movement is we need you to mature to that phase where you're ready to take risks and be bold and be kind of ballsy, you know, like say some things that nobody else wants to say. Question existing processes or, you know, whether you're creating artifacts, like question the material source or what happens after the, the thing gets released or whether you're creating on-screen websites or, or apps or things like that. Like, yeah, really start to look at this through the lens of, hmm, what is the impact of what I'm creating. What is the thing that I'm doing? How is this going to affect not just people, but the environment and, and communities? Yeah. And know that you can make a difference. You are on the team of creating whatever this thing is that you're creating. And I think too many designers, this is Mike Montero's point, and let's apply that to climate as well. Too many designers just take the direction from mm -hmm. the client or their boss. Here's what we're producing. Produce it as quickly, yeah. as cheaply as possible. Don't ask any questions. <laughs> Just make it look good. Yeah, and you're bringing up something I always tell my students the first day of every semester um, that, yeah, maybe a while ago at a time, we were look designers were looked at in a larger company as just the, the tail end of the system or this process to just slap something together to make it look good. Mm -hmm. um, but Monkeys with pixels. <laughs> yeah, just pushing pixels and, and just saying yes, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Yep. Um, but I'd say over the last five, ten years, designers have stepped up into more important roles. We're being invited to the boardrooms. Um, we're being invited in initial conversations because other people within business, they see the value that we add. And so um, the fact that we can visualize ideas, the fact that we can turn, turn a conversation between two people into something that we can point at, i.e. a logo, a website, something that we can actually critique and then actually make into something that can be released into the world. There's a lot of responsibility and, 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 and maybe power to that. And I feel like designers are finally getting there. We're, we're graduating from the, the, the kids table. <laughs> yeah. And, the monkey and, table. <laughs> and being invited to the, the, to the adults table during Thanksgiving, you know? And, yeah. and there's a lot of responsibility to that. And that's awesome. But with that responsibility, we need to, yeah, we need to know how we should act and, and how we should show up to these, um, these situations. Yep. So I, I've sort of thought through a few ideas on how and what you need to think about. If you find yourself in a situation at a job where you might be able to, um, sit at some of these strategic business, um, 
conferences, tables, meetings, meetings opportunities, yeah. opportunities, or, you know, start looking for opportunities. I want to enable and empower designers to step into this role, even if they're not being invited to. So the first thing that I want to uh, say is you have to know what your ethics and your, um, you know, perspective, your viewpoint is before you can bring this into your work as a, as a design, as a designer. So what I mean by that is decide what it means to you to be a responsible person on this planet, what it is that you care about. So, you know, in Mark's case, he's a vegetarian. Um, he uses a bicycle for transportation most of the time. I think you call yourself a minimalist. Um, well, I do own more camping gear than regular <laughs> stuff. But <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. I think you're intentional about the things that you purchase. And totally. You keep it pretty minimal. Um, in my case, I think I was very um, inspired by the minimalism and the anti-consumerism area. Um, I don't own a car. You know, alternative transportation is one of the things that I am pretty strongly passionate about. And also supporting local economies, mm -hmm. buying local food, organic food, buying sustainably raised meat if I do eat meat. Um, so the first thing I think is just deciding what it is that you care about personally before you can bring that into your work. If you aren't sure, if you need to educate yourself, um, drawdown.org has a ranked list of the solutions that are most impactful towards the climate crisis. Um, so take a look at, you know, the Drawdown book or the Drawdown website and um, learn, educate yourself what what's really important, what actually makes a difference, and just start building up your set of personal ethics as far as the climate is concerned. Yeah, there's something to be said about starting personal first. You can't ask for um, any sort of ex an external change without knowing who you are as an individual first. Mm -hmm. um, there's a... a Hindu philosopher I read a lot, Judo Krishnamurti, and one of his sayings is, you can't expect an outward revolution without an inward revolution. Awesome. That's brilliant. And so then, once you have that set of ethics, what do you do to bring that to your work? Um, the really big, bold thing, especially if you are a designer who owns your own business, is you can go full, you know, like redesign, rebrand your business according to those ethics and like saying no to the clients that you... Um, do projects for, or if you are a designer in a company, you can, you know, go to a different company that does something related to those personal ethics. Um, hopefully we will get to interview a designer who um, exemplifies this from Cast Iron Designs. Um, he's, his whole entire business is about being green and sustainable, and it, he, you know, walks the walk, talks the talk, everything. Yeah, Johnny Black is awesome. He, um, yeah, he's, he would call himself a green graphic designer, and his whole his whole marketing his whole spiel is 100 percent you know sustainable green graphic design so that in and of itself cuts out all these potential clients that if they don't fit the bill if they don't subscribe to what he's um, wanting to do then they just won't bother calling him which is great yeah you know? and he's a very busy very successful graphic design studio um as far as like you know people who are just working for a company um what you can do is start to look for opportunities within your current role or your current clients to just start influencing decisions towards alignment with your ethics. Um, so, you know, one of the things that maybe you can do is when kicking off a new design project, you can set one of the parameters for success to align with your ethics. You know, maybe that doesn't always make sense. Maybe it doesn't always line up, but look for those opportunities. And if you can cut back on waste or, you know, like, 
make some difference. You're just you're influencing a company and therefore an industry, so it can ripple out to big change. Or even just to zoom out a little bit, ask the team, ask the rest of the team what that might be, and get a get more of a consensus of of what that is based on the people that you're going to be working with. So there is a bit more of a of a of a shared there's shared values in there. So that that'll mean more people wanting the same thing. And I'll just make reaching that goal a lot easier. Yeah, I think if I if I were able to do that when I worked at the startup I told you about earlier, like um, it would have solved a lot of the inner crisis that I was having about the work that I was doing and what its impact was on the environment. And it might have actually made a difference in consumer clothing industry that I was working in. Instead, I just quit. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Um, next thing uh, related, I want to empower people to. Ask the unasked questions. So I'll give you a few examples that I thought of. Maybe there are other examples in your line of work. Um, If your line of work is making a physical product, like maybe you're an industrial designer, obviously asking where the materials come from, how they're sourced, whether they're biodegradable when discarded, all of that stuff. What is the life cycle of the product? Um, Look into what's it cradle to cradle. Um, There's all sorts of philosophies around how to make physical products more responsibly. If you're designing for print, you know, like Johnny Black does, most of his work is for print. Um, ask if there are more eco-friendly options for paper, ink, print processes. Um, not using varnish can be really useful, things like that. Stay um, away from metallic inks. Things. Exactly. Yeah. I think this is a good time to mention the article Climate Activism for the Graphic Designer by Eric Benson of Renourish. One of our buddies. One of our buddies. Um, hopefully we'll interview him more about this as well, but he talks about some of the things to avoid when designing for print to make your work more um, biodegradable and climate-friendly. Um, and then if you are a software designer, like I was, um, one of the crazy ideas that I came up with was, you know, if you're a UX designer and you're talking about the user's lifestyle, this is a little bit related to the um, designing for habit-forming products and addictive products. Um, instead of trying to figure out how you can keep your user glued to their screen longer, using your product more, um, maybe you can look for ways you could inspire them to change their behaviors to align with your ethics. So (laughs) it sounds kind of crazy, but we do kind of want you to be a little ballsy if you can. And an example I thought of was when you load up Slack sometimes, there's these default messages that's like, you should get more sleep. (laughs) Or, you know, like they're these have a nice day type of messages, but one of them talks about getting more sleep. or maybe going outside for a walk. So even though Slack has really nothing to do with environmentalism or climate change, there's that small opportunity to influence who knows how many users. Um, you could say like, hey, try cooking a plant-based meal tonight for dinner, <laughs> if that's one of your ethics. And I think they're customizable. So if you run a sure. design team, you can go in, and if you're the admin, you can go in and customize your messages um, on Slack. So you don't have to wait for Slack to do it. You can just do it yourself. But by doing that, you can motivate your team to do things like that on the individual level, the personal level. I think that's a super fun idea. That's great. We should. Why don't we do it for ourselves? <laughs> for our own Slack team, the two of us. The two of us. Why not? Okay. <laughs> we'll do it. All right. Put that in the sauna. Perfect. <laughs> um, so the next thing is more around educating yourself. Um and asking the unasked questions. So what are some of the hidden inconvenient truths in your industry? Every industry has them. Um, I'm just going to keep this broad and wide open. Um, is there 
anything related to the environment or climate that your industry is doing that nobody's talking about. And as soon as you start poking around, I'm sure you will find it. And then you can bring in experts who are already studying that um, topic and figuring out ways to bring in more sustainability, more eco-friendly options, um, you know, that's relevant to your company's work and perhaps host a discussion or a talk in your company for your colleagues with these experts to find out what questions to ask or where to start to even learn more. We always say a designer's role is more often a facilitator and keen observer. So it's not necessarily your role to educate people about all this stuff, but you can facilitate a discussion by bringing in the experts and then let the discussion evolve from there. Yeah, and I think another nice thing about that too is if you start that and bring in an expert around something, you know, green graphic design, for example, someone else on your team might get inspired from something that that person said. It might be an offshoot to something, another topic that's mm-hmm. somewhat related so that that person might bring in their expert. And so it's just this this kind of snowball effect where you start to bring in all these inspirational people that might not look 100% related to each other, but they're but they're related in the sense of what you and your company, you and your team within the company are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, too, just, you know, your manager, your your boss might look at you as a as someone who's like, wow, this is great, Susie designer. <laughs> um, why don't you lead more of these? And yeah. who knows, you might even create your own job title or another another role within your company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of related, like, to what you're doing at CCA, Mark. You know, like, mm. his role is has been to help um, designers, you know, build up their portfolio and transition into uh, professional practice. Mm -hmm. Um, But because he is Mark and he is the way that he is and he rides his bamboo bike to work and he's the vegetarian and he has a climate-focused design studio, um, you know, more and more he's starting to get known as that climate designer guy. And being asked to be on committees regarding sustainability in the school and what can we do to do more just Mm -hmm. like you know your responsibilities within your job as a adjunct professor at cca have grown Mm -hmm. to be on these committees and to be that guy (laughs) right apparently i'm that guy (laughs) i'll take it so this this kind of thing happens all the time at companies because there's a corporate culture there's you know teams forming around educating ourselves and personal growth all the stuff professional development yeah that might not be completely related to exactly what your design is but you can branch out and that's totally cool Uh, another angle is to quantify what's really going on as far as you know what are those hidden inconvenient truths in your industry maybe nobody's counted how many chemicals are being emitted into the environment from this thing that you guys produce or you know like maybe these facts aren't even known or maybe they are in some other industry but not being communicated within your company and so this is another kind of ballsy thing but um make those facts known if you you know come across something like this if you find the opportunity as a designer you can visually communicate these statistics these facts and get the word out (laughs) Um, or lobby for this to be an ongoing key metric your company measures and reports on. I think I'm not quoting this right, but you can't change what you can't measure is something that goes around. I think it's you, you only measure or you only change what is measured, something like that. So flip that so that you're measuring some of the negative things and try and reduce those. Um, along these same lines, sharing what you found internally in your company um, so that those inconvenient truths no longer are remaining hidden. 
um, starting to create more awareness among your peers, laying the groundwork to get buy-in from those higher up in the future. So I'm encouraging you to be that person who starts to share the <laughs> metrics and stats that nobody wants you to share. <laughs> and honestly, I have been that person in my job as a UI UX designer. Um, I wanted to start sharing some of the things that I was found that I was finding in the user experience that I was responsible for that weren't a pleasant experience. Um, I worked for TaskRabbit and there were parts of the experience that sometimes, you know, like somebody cancels on you and you ask them to come to your house and help you with something. Um, and it just like wasn't a good experience. And I felt like the way to improve that experience was to share, you know, I, I, made friends with the data team and I got some of the data and I would host these data lunches um, and I would invite everyone just like open invitation bring your lunch let's look at some of the data that we might not know much about <laughs> and it was not my job at all um, it was not always popular but I wanted to start some discussions about like what are some of the things that we can do as a company to make this experience better because that was my job mm -hmm. so you know even if it makes you unpopular that's kind of what we're talking about is take a little risk for your own personal ethics and see if you can make an influence. Yeah, but imagine what that can open up. Imagine you asking that one question or putting this one thing in, in a, you know, put it out there in a company. I mean, that can open up to so many opportunities, both good and bad. But again, I'm sure your, your manager, your boss would appreciate that. Um, and, and yeah, you might, it might feel uncomfortable, it might be awkward at first, but if you can help the company in some way, why not? It's only going to benefit you, your team, your company, and the, the your customers, users, etc. Yep. So start thinking, what are some of the biggest opportunities to make your industry more climate friendly that nobody's talking about? And maybe mm -hmm. it's time for you to be the person to start talking about them. And something um, and I'll bring up too, and and we're, we've been talking about you within your existing company, but feel, I mean, you should feel empowered to reach out to your, your constituents and other companies too. Mm -hmm. And maybe you create a, I don't know, a meetup group, um, for, I don't know, <laughs> what, like product managers. Sure. You know, whether it's a big tech company or small in-house and just have a monthly meetup and talk about as product managers, what you can do that could be, um, that you can then, share some of your, your experiences, your stories, um, so that everyone within this meetup group can go back to their job on a Monday and uh, implement some of these changes or new ideas. I love that idea. Product designers for, or product designers concerned about climate, you know, yeah. there's so much power in Or community. design managers for climate, you know, like mm -hmm. whatever that, whatever your, your tribe is, go seek out other people within other companies and share knowledge, share resources. Yeah. So basically what we're, we're suggesting is to bravely do things differently than they've always been done, um, rather than hiding behind the that's not my job thing that designers can fall prey to. Um, because if you don't, maybe nobody will. Um, and some of the things that can help you um, do that without being the annoying climate guy <laughs> is, okay, here's one, leading by example. So I talked about this with Mark a little bit. Like, He's not the annoying vegetarian preachy guy who wants everyone else to become a vegetarian or like, you know, like makes fun of you if you're eating bacon or anything. Like I eat meat and he doesn't say a damn thing, but through spending three years working with him, I have started cutting back on how much meat I eat because there's just so many more vegetarian options now. And part of that is because Mark is leading by example. 
Um, so you can, you know, once you've defined what your climate related ethics are, you can make those loud and clear by your actions at the office and influence everybody that you work with quietly. You know, whether that's cycling to work or using reusable beverages, beverage containers. Um, you could even be that annoying guy that brings your own containers to the restaurant instead of taking a to-go bag because it's so visible. <laughs> um, and then you can start become, becoming known for what you believe in. And then others around you might start following suit and you don't have to be annoying and aggressive and preachy about it. <laughs> I do not bring my own containers to restaurants. <laughs> Maybe I should start doing that. You know, I've never done that either, but I do bring a reusable container to the smoothie shop. But I eat all my food in one sitting, so I don't need them. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a yeah. growing boy. I need my my nutrition. <laughs> don't order more than you're going to eat. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, you know, policy discussions around practices that can be adjusted. Um, this is related to what we talked about earlier, where designers are sometimes asked to be involved more early in the kickoff conversation. So look for those opportunities because there are probably some policies that can be adjusted to be more climate friendly. And because you're a designer, you're good at thinking of creative solutions, planning strategy, and the team will probably be happy to invite you to have a seat at the table for those skills. And here's one thing that I want to talk about, um, which is sort of the crux of the climate conversation right now. A lot of, a lot of the time, the climate friendly option is more expensive. So whatever you're talking about, whether it's paper or a new material to source to, to make a physical product, we need to justify the cost. Um, so one way to do that is to point out that taking steps to have a positive impact on climate is only going to boost your, your company's reputation. In today's day and age, everybody is looking to be more climate friendly. And so can can the extra expense of this decision be considered part of your marketing budget rather than your production budget? So this is a creative way to think of it as like a brand building opportunity. You know, we're using this more climate friendly material to make our product and this is going to be more expensive, but it's going to bring more press and attention and probably eco-friendly consumers if that's our target market. Stuff like that um, can help justify the cost of more expensive eco-friendly materials. Yeah, and your customers, your your users, whoever's purchasing your stuff, um, they're looking for something different as a conversation starter. Mm -hmm. um, so, for an example, you're at a at a party or at a park, and someone says, "Oh, I like that new bag. Uh, tell me more about it." Oh, it's actually made out of pineapple leather. <laughs> Isn't that cool? It's this new material. Like people love to talk about this stuff because it's different. Mm -hmm. If if someone's bag was any other leather bag, it's just, it's going to, you know, be, get unnoticed and it's just going to be not even anything worth talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, so don't ever, don't ever underestimate the power of having people talk about themselves and their stuff if it's something unique. Yeah. Word of mouth is way cheaper than buying advertisements. And so that's why I'm saying this can come out of the marketing budget because yeah. it gives people a talking point, gives, gives something interesting to talk about about your products. Um, if you're still experiencing resistance, I think it might be because your organization is thinking about the short-term cost. And maybe as a designer, you need to start shifting them towards thinking about the long-term benefits um, of making a, you know, maybe a, a costly change to some of their processes or production materials. But how can that benefit the organization further down the road? 
um, by improving the quality or improving the company's reputation or getting ahead of trends. Um, these are some of the conversations that it's not always the designer's job to think about, but you absolutely can and maybe should start bringing those up. And then the other one is starting to get a little bit ballsy again, but if you're trying to convince some of your higher ups to make a more climate friendly decision, um, there may be situations you can look into where similar companies have received bad press for failing to address some potential environmental issue that you are trying to address. And then, you know, maybe that's like producing excess waste or chemicals being offloaded into the environment. Um, if there has been a, a bad PR incident in your industry for something like this, the threat of that can be a big motivation for action. So as a designer, you could even, if you're a graphic designer, um, you could mock up a pretend headline on a future major publication that says something terrible about <laughs> um, whatever material you, you might be using or whatever problem you're trying to fix. Get out your Photoshop skills, put together something visually to um, say, hey, like, this is the thing we're trying to avoid. <laughs> this is like internal activism, kind of. Um, and I really like it. I think it's really ballsy. Um, and it reminds me, I wanted to bring up this book that I've read in the past. It's called Drinking Molotov Cocktails with Gandhi by Mark Boyle. <laughs> and um, it's written for people who are like pacifists. Um, and, you know, the, the tree huggers, the hippie green environmentalists. And he kind of says, like, you know, the time is needed for us to be, to take whatever action is going to be effective, mm -hmm. even if that is not pacifism. <laughs> even if we have to resort to something a little bit more violent, we need to resist, we need to revolt. And he uses the word rewild. And so I think what that kind of puts into my head is is we need to start being a little bit more wild a little bit more punk rock maybe um you know try things that hey this might get you fired <laughs> but honestly i i i got to the point in my job where i would rather be fired than be a doormat or like be something sure. be doing something that wasn't in line with my personal ethics and values yeah i think if you do it in a in a thoughtful strategic way yeah, it's still ballsy, but if you're smart about it, I think you'll you'll set yourself apart from your colleagues. Mm -hmm. You 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 have an opportunity to show your team and your your and the upper management something that could really benefit the company, could benefit your end users, and or even just the environment um, or the industry. And that's and, worth it, and right? That's totally worth it. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like it's it's ballsy plus smart equals like positive internal change. <laughs> I just made that up. That's brilliant. I love it. So we've given you a ton of solutions and ideas. I, I don't think this is the end of the conversation, but we've given you some ideas to try. The The next step is to implement some, like pick one, implement it. And if anything works, you know, keep doing it. If something doesn't work, iterate, try something different. Um, you know, start observing what is resonating with your organization, what's getting traction, make this a little personal project of your own to start um, influencing decisions at work as a designer. You know, why not? Yeah, and, and I'll just say this as we end, you know, Sarah and I are in a position where we've we've chosen to dedicate our lives to this work because we were in a position to, to do that and we felt 
a calling to do, to do this, I guess. Um, <laughs> but we know that not everyone is able to do that. And so um, as much as we would love to see every single designer, you know, put all their attention, all their energy towards um, creating um, anything and everything around solving our climate crisis, uh, we also understand a lot of other people can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that we're talking to any and all designers, people like us, but also people that are working in-house and, and working within these larger companies, tech companies. Um, but we want to just inspire those people that they too can create positive change within their organization that will seep into or outward into into the world. Yeah. And one of the things that Mike Montero says in his book is, if you are working for one of those companies, don't quit. Maybe this is where you can make the biggest exactly. impact. Exactly. Yeah. I think and we said this on the podcast a few times, uh, we feel like addressing our climate is going to take all industries, all sectors, top down, bottom up. People like us, uh, Sarah and I, people like you on the other end who are, um, you know, in-house designers working for companies, like it's going to take all of us. There's not going to be any one right way of, of addressing this. Yep. Everybody hands on deck and you need to be bold and be brave. All right. Get at it. Let's do it. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out climatedesigners.org to sign up for email updates. And while you're there, you can check out other stuff. You can create a profile page highlighting your climate-related work, or you can seek out climate jobs and other resources to boost your climate design career. Or for design educators, find resources to bring climate action into your classroom. Yeah, join the conversation on social media with a hashtag, I am a climate designer, or hashtag climate designers, all one word.